shore where the mountains meet the sea in a clapboard shack by a broken down tree. There's a light in the window to salt the gals inside. I'm not sure if they're witches, but you know that's implied. Got the storytelling, ego swelling, pillow talking, moonlight walking, see hey. Welcome to the Sea Hags Podcast. My name is Chris Jeppa. And I'm Katie Norgren. With us today this is my sister. <laughs> kind of. I mean, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. By like marriage, right? And also in spirit. In spirit. And uh, <laughs> we're, so, we're also sisters of mercy. Yes. Uh, we're sister, sister act two, back in the habit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, my sister-in-law is here from her home in Amsterdam, not Amsterdam, Harlem. Harlem, with two A's, the original Harlem. In the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, and she lives there because she is a classical musician. Yes, it's very glamorous and European. <laughs> Quite. Mm, sausage. <laughs> European. European. I was just a <laughs> Just now. Yeah. We are, as always, actually not always now that we've broken the chain, but today we are recording live from the Sea Shanty Shack down by the Industrial Bluffs in uh, East Vancouver. It's good to be back in a acoustically, you know, yeah. kind room. Yeah, exactly. We, uh, yeah, let's catch up on this week. It's been oh, kind of like... 2016 has just kind of been a garbage fire. Just a total shit show. It's uh, been a not a great year. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. This week I felt at least, like, more calm and chilled out just because I canceled every plan. Mm. And I just worked at my job and then came home and then had a nap and then, like, went for a walk and ate dinner and then went to bed early pretty much every day. Perfect. Nice. Which was, and I'm like, oh, I feel really good. This is great. And then by the end of the week, I was like, this is boring, and I'm stifled by the routine of the blah, 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 and am I never going to get a social life ever again? And, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a tricky balance, yeah. for sure. Like, to get enough rest and me time to, like, not be totally exhausted, but also to get enough social time mm-hmm. and, like, fun stuff time. So yeah. you don't turn into a total... You know, loner solipsist to just yeah. and it's hard because I'm like sculptures out of your belly button lint. You know, I think that I'm just like oh, I I always recharge like by myself and I need my alone time and it's all my only child tendencies and I hermit and I take care of myself and I just like I don't know. My bandmates were like, wouldn't it maybe feel cathartic to come like play music with us and hang out? I'm like, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it would. I'll take that under consideration. <laughs> and then by like six o'clock, I was like, no, I can't leave my house. No, I don't want to talk to anyone. My cello's so heavy. I don't want to take it I anymore. I don't want to go on the bus with my cello. Yeah. Just basically. I, yeah. I definitely have, especially if I've had a really busy period where if I have a day off, I literally close my blinds because Dutch people are very nosy and they like to look in your house. (laughs) So I like close on my blinds and I just sit on my couch in my pajamas all day and I don't talk to a single living person. And I'm just like, today, yes, I just commune with spirits. You got your Ouija board out there. Mostly Netflix. And and I just like, I just have a day where I don't really interact with the world because I just need like, yeah, I just need a break. Mm -hmm. I just need need to not talk to people for a day. Yeah. Because people can be very annoying. Oh, they can. Yeah. I'm very bad at taking breaks, but this is established canon of the uh, <laughs> Sea Hags Katie, Katie is terrible at taking breaks. Part one million. <laughs> Part ten bajillion. <laughs> taking personal time and looking after your own needs. I did it, though, this week. Yay. I did. I took one Thursday off. I took Thursday off. My boss was very understanding about nice. it. I appreciate it. I was just like, I just can't. 
I can't. I can't go. I don't want to. <laughs> so I'd, like the previous couple of days, I'd been really like busting my ass to put a schedule together for the spring term, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just like everybody has needs. Everybody's got their particularities that they mm-hmm. want to address, and I'm just like so tired of like powdering bottoms right now. Like I'm so tired of dealing with people's like personal issues with like when they're scheduled or like what's my office doing like what's going on here and you can't just... please everybody like no no you know it's nobody impossible. nobody wants to teach an 8 a.m class but someone's fucking gotta do it yeah but, but people have no problem just kind of standing over me like well i don't know about that time slot i'm like well it's the only one available unless you want to start at 8 30 they're like mm, well i'm like this is not a difficult decision mm-hmm. you know please just appreciate the fact that I'm a human being and not like I don't just go to sleep mode when you're like sitting in front of me not saying something mm-hmm. like I, you're bothering me you're in my space like, yeah kind of mm-hmm. thing. so there's a lot of that this week and I just like don't have the uh spoons yeah I don't have the spoons for it spoon theory is very useful I don't mean to take it from people who have like chronic illnesses mm-hmm. but like I just don't have the wherewithal the resources to like put up with stuff right mm-hmm. now, which is perfect timing, because my in-laws <laughs> will come to stay with us for, uh, that sounds so mean, like, they're gonna listen to this, your mom is so good. I know. <laughs> uh, I do, I really do, this is sincere, I love having them around, but they are not, they don't plan. Yeah. This That's is mostly the, dad. The, the, well, and mom just goes along with it, because you What can't. choice does she fucking yeah. have at this She has point. no choice. Um, <laughs> and they, there's a whole theme for this road trip was, Chill they, out or die, was they made no plans and told nobody that they were coming to visit. And I discovered this, like, a few days ago. Like, while you're already in the while car While we're already, driving. like, on our way from Saskatoon to Vancouver. So I, like, made the plans for them to stay with Tess and Katie, because I was supposed to stay with Tess and Katie. <laughs> but, and they were like, I don't know, we'll, like, go pitch a tent in Stanley Park. And I they was like, literally, you literally cannot do that. That's super illegal, first of <laughs> <Yeah>. all. <laughs> Someone's gonna knock on your tent expecting sex. <laughs> and lastly... They only brought one sleeping bag. Oh, bless. You know what? But they brought a tent. You know what? Like, yeah, sleep rough. Don't come and stay with us in our spare room. <laughs> it's a... Uh, yeah, I was just like, let them. If they say they're going to go. Tough <laughs> love from Chris. I was a little bit... Like, I was just like, well, my mom and her partner, like, when they come and stay with... Like, they come to Vancouver, and often I'll be like, oh, I'll pull out the spare couch, and she's listening. my mom's like, oh, I don't want to be in the way. We'll just go sleep in the car in Deep Cove. And they do, and they love it. And it's very cute. Well, like, I don't think my mom would, and she hates camping. Yeah, yeah she doesn't want to do that stuff. Yeah. She's like, well, I don't want to be a burden. Yeah. Like, that's like, you're the literally not. She... Just, just tell me when you're coming to my house and when you're not going to be there anymore, because, like... It really is the thing she fears most in life, is being a burden. Like, I have oh, this... Oh, no, I love because, her. <laughs> because I, I... When I first, uh, like, uh, I guess it's a week ago now, I spent a week in Regina teaching at a, a summer music camp. I, I Band pref- camp! Sorry. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it was a summer, Regina Summer Strings, and I also performed in the Regina Chamber Music Festival. You are and a violist. I'm a violist. It's a viola. <laughs> it's different from a violin. It's a big it's violin and a small cello. much better. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go Google viola jokes. I do not recommend that. <laughs> we'll post a comprehensive on this blog. But, um, yeah, and a really, really dear old friend of mine organizes the festival. She's from Regina, and she was organizing, you know, places to stay for everyone. And, and, um... And she was like, oh, do your parents, like, do you want me to try and organize a place for them to stay close to where things are happening? Because they were going to stay with my uncle, but he lives kind of out in the suburbs. And mm-hmm. Anyways, 
I was like, hey, mom, do you want Catherine to, like, organize you a place to stay? She was like, no! (laughs) She was like, don't do that. She's so busy. She has enough things to do. I had a really funny interaction with her, actually, uh, your mom, uh, last night, I think, because I was telling... She's so... Okay. Shelly's the best, actually. No, like, like, don't get me wrong. My mom is also the best. She is, like... My parents are fantastic in the way that... They are so supportive, and the only thing they want for their children's lives is for their children to be happy and doing something they want to be doing, which I never realized was so rare mm-hmm. oh, yeah. until I met a lot of other people who get a lot of crazy pressure from their families to do all sorts of things that they don't want to be doing. Yeah. And so I, I, like, I love my parents to death, and they've only been anything but supportive, but of course, everybody they're had, your parents. you know, they're my parents, so they also have, like, things they do that are a little, like, you're like, uh, like, scratch my arm, like, oh, why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> they do have, like, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, but the thing that was really funny to me was, like, she is so supportive, she wants to know exactly what you're doing, and, like, mm-hmm. wants the details, and that's so rare, because, like, mostly I want surface-level stuff from people, I'm like, oh, I'm not that interested. Yeah, I, I care about you, know. but I don't really care about the minutiae, <laughs> kind of thing. Like, my just mom be cares here about with the minutiae. Let's have a YouTube party and drink ciders. Yes, that's, that's, we that's how we communicate, of course. Um, but I see why you guys get along so well. It's, it's very simple. <laughs> My but, love language is cider and... Uh, and <laughs> talking about Jane the Virgin. Yes. <laughs> and how much we love Rogelio de la Vega. <laughs> Um, and anyway, so Shelly was, she was inquiring after my comedy progress lately and I was telling, sort of diagramming this joke I'm working on because it's not done. Like, I don't know how to make it a joke yet, but it's about how my parents keep asking me to murder them because they, um... They don't want to get Alzheimer's and they don't want to, cause it's very much there of the generation that had to care for people who lived past where they would normally live. Mm-hmm. And like your brain starts to go generally. And so like dealing with people who have uh, dementia or Alzheimer's or just like basically I don't have the faculties they used to have is incredibly difficult yeah. and challenging. Mm-hmm. And so it takes up so much of your energy. And so now that they're doing that care, they're like, Oh, I don't want my kids to have to do that. So just kill me. Like just straight up murder me. That's, and so she, that's Katie's she, parent she, solution. Shelly, yeah. Shelly was like, she was like, well, that's pretty much how I feel, too. Like, I'd rather... I don't really want to live to that point. So just, like, check me out. I was like, that's horrible. She doesn't want to be a burden. She doesn't want to be a she burden. She does not want to be a burden. Because she's been burdened, I think. Yeah. Like, I think she's got a lot of burdens. Too bad, Shelly. You have to accept love. In take, your it. take it. We'll we, take care we, of we you. She's like, you, no, Shelly. stop it. <laughs> stop loving me. <laughs> stop caring for me. So anyway, my in-laws are in town, and it's cool. Uh, <laughs> It's cool. I just wish that they used Google Calendar. That's my only true complaint. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I planned this leg of their trip for them, but I've left them to their own devices for the next leg, and as far as I know, they have not informed anybody of their plans. So, uh, Do you guys want to take an extra sleeping bag for them just in case? Because I've got that gear here. <laughs> we just put them out in Tipperary Park or something. <laughs> just let them roam free. <laughs> Free range. <laughs> Free range parents. <laughs> Picking insects up there. Their eggs will be so golden. <laughs> They're not chicken. They're not uh, chicken. Hilarious. Very funny. So, I've so got this, a question for oh, you. Oh, please. What's the difference between a viola and an onion? <laughs> Nobody cries when you cut up a viola. <laughs> that What's the good. difference between a viola and a violin? A viola burns longer and has a bluer flame. Oh, God. <laughs> What's the definition of a minor second? Here's an interval joke for you guys. Oh, God. Two violas playing in, in unison. unison. <laughs> okay, I've got a very long form. It's not like a like a question punchline viola joke. Okay, okay. so set the scene. An orchestra is rehearsing, and 
there's this like disturbance at the last desk of the violas. And just if you're not familiar with how an orchestra sits, the last desk of the violas is usually right in front of the wind players. Mm-hmm. So there's all this commotion in the last desk of the violas. And the conductor's trying to talk. And finally he's like, what is going on back there? And the violist turns and points at the first oboe player, and he says, he turned one of my pegs, and he won't tell me which one. Because <laughs> <laughs> they can't tell. Because they're a bunch of dummies. I'm a big violin. <laughs> the viola is lovely. I met a viola player in Scotland, but she was actually a cello player and just played a viola like a travel cello. Awesome. And she just like put it on her knee and just a like a tiny it. cello. It was really cute. Actually, probably made her look like Andre the Giant. It good, and it looked very like I'm in Rasputina, but I'm so big. <laughs> Giant. Oh yeah, that'd be so great for a forced perspective. Like, just get a bunch of people to play violas, like cellos. They look so giant. Amazons. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, uh, sorry, <laughs> you said don't Google viola jokes, so I had to. But of course, yeah. Don't ever tell her to not I do mean, something you don't want her to my do. Whole, my whole, tell her to do something if you don't want her to do. It. My whole <laughs> theory about like. Viola jokes and why violas of all the instruments are like the butt of the orchestra jokes is that we're very good natured people. We don't take ourselves very seriously. We can take it. Yeah. A lot never... of people take themselves very se- and their instruments and their work very seriously. Don't get into it with the timpanist. And they would get very upset if people just stood around and told jokes about them all day. <laughs> and the viola is like. You're the sort of awesome heart of the, like, middle orchestra where it's, like, you've got the, it's, you don't get the really juicy harmonies without the viola section, but you never get the solos, usually. Yeah. You sometimes get, like, a little awesome melody, and you're like, what is that? That's The way I kind of explain it is, it's kind of like, if you're, as a violist, from the, like, 90% of the time, if you're doing your job well, nobody should actually notice you. Yeah. Um, Because it's only when you do your job badly that people are like... What the heck is going on there with the big violins? Yeah. <laughs> but you should just be this like seamless harmonic element in Ooh. whatever ensemble you're in, and you should you're like so. Of course, violists are generally not divas or like team players because Except for you. you. Well, I mean, yeah, naturally, because <laughs> you have to be okay with that role. You have to be okay with being like the support character in mm-hmm. in your life, basically in your musical <laughs> in your musical life, not your your life life. <laughs> Because I am the star of my own life. <laughs> star true. of the show. Very it's uh, what you said about like having, if nobody notices that you're doing your job, like that's a good thing. I think that's why so many viola jokes and like bass player jokes in rock bands yes. are very similar because that's yeah. the same kind of concept. Yeah, like, for you sure. finally brought me into this conversation. Well, I felt so like I'm I don't know what anybody's talking I'm about. I'm trying to find some common ground between it's you true. guys. Just it's kidding. True. You guys already get along really We do. Well. <laughs> yeah, I, it's not like I've even picked up a bass in like five years, but. You're uh, still a bass player. Oh, you never stop being a bass player. See, it's what it's like. What do you? It's your supportive tendencies, Katie. Drummers get a lot of shit too. Where it's like, uh, what do you do if there's a drummer on your porch and he won't go away? You pay him for the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you know that the stage is level? The drummer's drooling out both sides of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh fuck! I forgot the one about the bass player. It's like, what do you call an idiot? Basically, is the <laughs> bass player. It's a bass player. I have that one. Uh, <laughs> a professional comedian. Okay. Uh, uh, somebody starts taking. Well, this yeah. is like a, a double bass joke, but it works for bass guitar. Somebody starts taking bass lessons, and their first lesson is like 
this is a C. So they're like, C, 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 C. And then second lesson, second week, this is a D. D, 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 D. And then third week, doesn't show up for his lesson. The teacher calls, and he's like, where are you? You missed your lesson. He's like, man, I've been so busy. I have so many gigs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on tour right now. <laughs> Not all bass players are flea. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, my other favorite one is like the soprano slash like first violin jokes. Like those are often mm-hmm. crossed over because they're the divas with the solos. And yeah. it's like, how can you tell like a soprano or first violinist is on your porch? It's like they can't find the key and they don't know when to come in. <laughs> <laughs> so many good porch jokes. I know, right? What are all these musicians doing on all these porches? They got nothing what to do. What musician can afford a house? <laughs> yeah. With a porch. I mean, maybe they live on the porch. Maybe they rent just the porch. Hey, I would, yeah, I've seen an Airbnb listing for exactly that. Oh my actually. god, like a porch swing like a screened-in porch. Could, like, you can just sleep on our porch. Like, great. Pay us money to sleep on our porch. It was like, like 20 a... bucks, though. So I'm like, well, it's not I mean, bad for a porch. Yeah. Can I come inside and use your bathroom? No. no. <laughs> you can piss in the petunias. <laughs> so, Katya, tell us about who, your insanely competitive nature that got you started playing uh, music. Well... Yeah, and also got me playing the viola, which is actually a fairly unusual instrument to play, let alone begin on as a young child, which I did. Um, so it was in- a super big violin for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it was the same, same size. I just upgraded <laughs> it through the years. But anyways, uh, if you don't know, I have siblings. <laughs> oh, I've noticed. And um, my oldest sibling, Katie's spouse, played the piano, and so... And my mom was a single mom at the time, a little context, so basically the rule was if one kid had something, all kids had to go with. And how many so kids were there in total? Three at the time. Okay. And so I got dragged around all these things. So I, got, I had to go to all the piano lessons. And so when I was two and a half, I was like, I also want to play the piano. And my mom was like, I think you're a little young. And I was like, no, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and so I started so family stories I piano lessons. <laughs> I started piano lessons when I was two and a half, which is extremely young. Yeah, and that's... generally, when you start at that age, it's like some crazy Were stage you still parent pissing in your pants at that time. Probably like wearing a diaper and still going. Uh, to piano. But I was very, I was very band. determined because I wanted to do everything <laughs> my siblings did. I, I was, I mean, I was competitive with them. Um, but I also just wanted to, like, be like them in the way that younger siblings want to, like, you know, do everything that their older siblings do and be like them. So then my next oldest sibling um, played the violin. And, we you know, we're a bit closer in age. He was a middle child, so we had that sort of middle child syndrome where he didn't have so many things for himself. So, yeah, when I was five, I was like, well, now I also, in addition to the piano, want to play the violin. <laughs> and my brother basically forbade it. He was like, is violin is my thing. She's not doing my thing. So we made a compromise with the viola because it's like a violin, but it's different. So I started it's viola fine. lessons when it's I was five and a half. Although I actually got pulled out of lessons by my mother halfway through my first year of lessons because I was so poorly behaved. Um, <laughs> My teacher had to make me stand on a chair because I would just run around his house and not listen to anything he said. He also had to tape a tack on the neck of my viola because I refused to play with proper, like, technique. I had, like, a collapsed wrist, and he'd be like, don't do that. I'd be like, no, this is just how I do it. (laughs) 
Oh, my God. <laughs> and, very strong will. So at at a certain point, it mother. was too much for my mother. And she was like, that's it. We're done. No more viola. And pulled me out of lessons. And in the fall of the next year, I had to beg to be allowed to take lessons again. And I had to promise to be good, which I mostly kept. Like, I sort of mean this. Ish. Um, <laughs> and then my brother who played the violin, at a certain point, he wasn't so interested in classical music, but my parents really wanted him to keep playing violin, so his teacher suggested fiddle music. So right. then we started going to all these fiddle contests all over the place, and I had to go along. At a certain point, I was like, why am I not doing this as well? So I picked up his violin, played a couple of fiddle tunes, and my parents were like, okay, fine, you win. <laughs> so then I also took fiddle lessons and did fiddle contests. <laughs> you little shit. <laughs> and I mean, I also had grand plans for other instruments. I wanted to take voice lessons. Mm-hmm. I... I when we took time to when it was time to pick a band instrument for school, I really wanted to play the trombone, but my parents were like, "You play enough instruments. Here are they're pair... very expensive, yeah, yeah, and lessons, all that stuff." My parents were like, "Here are a pair of your brother's drumsticks. Enjoy, like, play percussion." Did you play percussion? I school? did play percussion cool. school then. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm learning. I actually and I actually taught myself how to play trumpet and tried to switch to trumpet in high school. <laughs> But the band teacher wouldn't let me because I was the only percussionist who knew how to read notes. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to play the bells all the time. Oh, yes. Which is why I tried to switch to trumpet because I was so bored. Mm-hmm. I never got to do any of the fun stuff. Just just carol of the bells. Just, the only just thing bells for every song. Oh my god. <laughs> is that the thing that you go shling? No, no it's like, like xylophone or marimba or something like that. Like, oh, okay. Like, because like you have to be able to read music and mm-hmm. none of the other percussionists could read, like, notes. They could read, like, you know... But anyways, Charts, yeah. <laughs> it was a whole thing. And I was like, that's it, I'm done. I want to switch to trumpet. I've taught myself the trumpet. <laughs> they wouldn't let you. And they wouldn't let me. <laughs> so then I quit band. <laughs> after trying to get him fired, but that's another story. Oh, the band <laughs> Yes. <laughs> what did he do? Well, he was always fairly incompetent. And then... Um, but I was. But the thing was, I had so much out of school music that I I was mainly mainly doing it for fun and for like an easy credit. And um, but at a certain point, he decided to that we had to take things more seriously, and he decided that we had to start learning music theory. Mm-hmm. And he tried to teach us that in a harmonic minor scale, you raise the sixth note, which oh. is wrong. It's the seventh note. Gosh. And I just, I quite honestly, it wasn't for me. Like I just felt like. I went to an inner city school, and this is a school where a lot of, like, whole generations of families from the neighborhood go to, and they just didn't know that they were getting, basically getting ripped off. Mm -hmm. Like, because I had siblings who went to other schools in the city, and their band teachers were really good. Their bands did the music festival every year. They did all this stuff. My band teacher, like, the first year, my parents came to the recital, and the grade nine band played, I shit you not, half a piece and then he stopped and he's like, that's all we learned this year. No. And my parents like went and complained to the principal. They were like, what is going on here? Yeah. And the principal was like, oh, we've never had anyone complain before. It was because Aww. nobody knew any better. Aww. And so like, I just, I pretty much, I was like, this isn't for me because obviously. I feel like you have quite a developed <laughs> sense of like justice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, obviously I'm doing fine music wise, but for a lot of people, this is going to be the only musical education they ever get. Mm-hmm. And. And it's, like, a shame that they're getting ripped off because they go to this inner-city school and they have this shitty teacher. So I actually started a petition to get him fired. (laughs) (laughs) 
And um, once he found out about it, I quit band. <laughs> but then a whole bunch of people quit with me because they were all like, well, if Catchy's quitting band and she's like the one actual musical person in this whole school, like it's not a great sign. Ooh. Mass exodus. <laughs> oh my god. Uprising. I started a mutiny. I started a tiny band mutiny. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, no, that that's, that holds with everything I know about you, basically. Mm. The strong sense of justice is very familiarly developed, I would say. <laughs> yes. uh, it didn't hurt that your mom used to take all the three of you around in a wagon fundraising for the NDP. Yeah. Door-to-door canvassing when we were kids. Well, so. Saskatchewan is socialist paradise. Was. Upon a was, yeah. yeah. Not, Not so much so now. Not so much, <laughs> yeah. But, mm. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things, like, you know... I was doing fine, but I just didn't didn't sit right with me that, like, because I think there's a great value in musical education. Yeah, like, that's a great thing that people should have, and it's great that you have it in public schools, but then it should be, like, actual teachers who know what they're talking know about. Know what they're talking about. Yeah. Like... It's, it's, it was just completely insane to me that this guy had been teaching there for, like, 30 years. I don't know if he just gave up at a certain point or if he was always mm. incompetent, but, like, I was just like, this is terrible, like... Isn't the worst, though, when you when you point out an inaccuracy that a teacher says in a class and they get so, they're so, like, obsessed with you falling in line that mm-hmm. they don't even hear the fact that you're correct and they're just hearing insubordination. Yeah. I happened, I've talked about that on the podcast with Mr. Brown. I'll just call him up by name. Oh my Mr. god, Brown my band teacher much like was Mr. called shit. Mr. Brown. <gasps> Coincidence? So, I don't think... I think probably. <laughs> probably. I think it's probably a pretty yeah, no, common I, name. I got, I got mad. Or I, I, I basically just corrected him because he, he was trying... It was social studies and he was teaching it and it was ninth or 10th grade and he said something like, you know, we enacted the... Judge Begbie enacted these draconian laws, which means like Dracula. <laughs> no. That's not right at I all. Like, Mr. Brown... Do you know anything about, like, ancient Greece and Rome? <laughs> By any chance, do you know who Draco is? Like, you're literally a history teacher. Oh, no. I didn't say any of that. I was just like, I actually think it has to do with, like, Draco from ancient... I believe it's ancient Greece. I have no it idea. It was in my horrible histories book yeah. that I read. Because I'm really into that kind of thing. Yeah. And I was just like, no, no, no. Draconian is, like, these literally incredibly to do with Dracula, intensive ro- rules like, in ancient Greece where you could be executed for killing someone and stealing an apple. That's what draconian laws are. And he's the- like, get out. Oh. He kicked me out of class. It's so obviously not Dracula. So even if you didn't know what the real answer was, you could at least be like, Or even if he was Dracula. trying to be like funny or whatever. He didn't whatever. even have like, to say, he yeah. could have just said draconian. And yeah. He wouldn't have bothered to no. ask. Yeah. Ugh. Boo. He was the worst. He also, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, where he would not let, or he didn't want girls, he was the boys' rugby coach. Mm. He didn't want girls to play rugby because uh, of our delicate uteruses. Oh, God. It's like, yeah, they're going to they're gonna damage their ability to bear children later. Which is also, like, the most important thing a we woman could ever do. We were all queer. Like, ultimately, <laughs> it wasn't that going to be that huge of a deal. We're like, we'll just, we'll just take them, no, we'll no, just no. adopt them. Katie, Who Katie, cares? your sole purpose in life is to Procreate. pop babies out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'd better get on yeah. it because I'm, you know, losing time here. Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw, I guess, Nicole Cliff, formerly of the Toast. Um, I get posted something. I just crossed about... myself because I miss it so much. <laughs> yeah, posted Aww. something. I think her husband got in trouble as a kid for not wanting to color or something like that, and he made a good argument. But then everyone started posting their stories about horrible teachers, and this one guy said, "My American history teacher." yelled at me when I corrected her and said that Thomas Jefferson slept with his slaves and had yeah. children with them. 
and she yelled at me and was like, that's not true. And then apparently she said that Harriet Tubman wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, and when he well, corrected Harriet her... Harriet Beecher Stowe, do we mean? Yeah. Well, it was a black lady named yeah, Harriet. So when... Harriet Beecher Stowe is a white lady. Yeah, <laughs> so like when he corrected her on that, she got so mad, too. It's like, uh, you're the American history teacher. That's terrible. Oh my God. Yeah, Sally Hemings. Yikes. It's a thing. Yeah. It's, a, it's genetically proven. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's. I thought that was like a very well-known fact. <laughs> They even wrote it into Hamilton. Yeah, you didn't yeah, even have to I mean, see Hamilton to know about this. Jeez. They only just mention it in passing, but it's pretty funny. Fuck. <laughs> There's no I'm actually, I, I'm waiting for the London touring show oh, Hamilton fuck. to open, and then I'm like so on it because also they're starting the direct Eurostar from Amsterdam to London next year. Nice. So I take the direct Eurostar. I'm going to go see Hamilton. I'm going to see Matilda. I'm going to see the Book of Mormon. I love Matilda. I'm going to go to all my West End shows. The Western girls and da, da, Would you ever want to be in the orchestra of musical theater? Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the most boring job in the face. I mean, okay, you play on the, the one, song every on the one hand, it's like, like a, it's a very stable job. There's yeah. the most popular musical in the Netherlands is called Soldat van Orania. It's it Soldier of Orange. <laughs> it, it doesn't translate. There's really no translation. <laughs> but it's been running for like. 10 years or something mm-hmm. like and it keeps getting getting extended and extended and I know a guy who plays in the orchestra for it. I mean sure you got a steady job for 10 years which as like a freelance musician is pretty sweet but at the same time it's 10 years of playing the exact same music like several times a week like oh my god like think of how boring that is I mean he, he's at the point where he brings like like accounting work and stuff into the pit with him to do because he doesn't need to he knows exactly when to set in and he doesn't need to be like counting or any you know whatever oh my god <laughs> i remember i did crew for musical theater stuff like in gibson's like community theater mm-hmm. and i wanted to play in the orchestra but i wasn't good enough yet because i was like 13 or whatever <laughs> and uh just being in the crew was so boring because it's like wait it's the same show every night, yeah. and we have to do it every night for like three Forever. weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> so boring. So I mean, it's one of those. It's one of those like catch twenty two things because I I don't like it when these shows use canned music. Yeah. I think you know you do miss a lot not having live music, mm-hmm. but I would I personally do not really want to play the live music part. I really like the. I saw Broadway uh, Matilda and I loved it and their pit, their pit orchestra was quite small I think like yeah. it's not like a phantom kind of thing yeah. it doesn't have like a full you know I think a lot of the newer musicals are, are probably it's like smaller. a lot of synth a lot yeah. of that it was really like it was really solid like it was really really good stuff nice. and, and I just really but I, I, I can imagine how interminable it would be to have to just do this exact same thing over and over my job is like that but yeah. it's like there are variables at yeah. least yeah. I mean there are variables in live performance but they are quite it's mostly small. like covering you up for something yeah. bad that happened <laughs> yeah some some kind of like missed cue or like mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever you you were you're making me watch those um miscast broadway mm. song performances last night and i started, i was watching them in bed this morning too and i was watching the uh <laughs> what's miscast oh this? you love uh, it there's you, these three okay. little boys singing the skylar sisters yes, that's what, uh, so miscast is this broadway Eliza gala is something they do every year and and it's people sing uh 
roles that they would never be cast for because, you know, a man will sing a women's role or for whatever reason, it's a role that they will never, ever be in the running to be cast <laughs> for. Three 12-year-old boys singing but they want to, But they want to sing it because, of course, Broadway nerds are... Broadway performers are usually Broadway nerds yeah. and they love all that oh, stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, these three, like, uh, 12-year-old boys singing the Skylar Sisters. Aww, it's so cute. Okay. One, of the, one, one of the three is a real diva. Yeah, he's, like, a, he's a real a diva. serious diva. He's great. <laughs> was, they're very impressive. And I was listening to the... Uh, uh, these five dudes doing the cell block tango, which is super funny, but the <laughs> is that light. From Chicago? Yeah. Uh, so they're all, you know, pop, six, squish, uh uh-uh, uh, Cicero, lip shits, and all that stuff. But there's, they're all like sitting in cabaret style in these chairs across the, across the, I'm, I'm posing, nobody can fucking see it. Um, <laughs> we can see it. You Katie. can see it. Uh, and then they, they're supposed to get lit when it's their line. Like each individual person's supposed to be lit when they say like pop, six, squish, whatever. Uh, and the lighting crew just didn't have it at all. Like it was just so <laughs> fucked up. And I was just like, oh no, like Leopold in lighting is probably like, fuck, my job is gone. Like it's done. I it's they, this up. they did like Miss Crew or something like that. And the lighting, the lighting guys <laughs> were miss, doing sound like that the, night. The makeup people do the lighting. And the <laughs> you know what? I scrolled through the comments that one person made that joke, which I just think is so amazing. <laughs> that was so funny. Mm, thank you. Um, You're welcome. Well, I thank do you. feel I'm like if, if it's anything like, like other like galas like that that I've done is it's always very last minute and not a lot of rehearsal time mm-hmm. so when you have complicated like lighting cues like that and stuff there really isn't the time and so you're just hoping you're like it'll be fine it'll be fine at the performance I think I forgot about it halfway through the performance <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so it's just like really that stuff really doesn't matter but you, when you are the one who fucks up it's oh like the yeah worst feeling. you're just sitting there like being like fuck I'm fired I'm gonna die someone's gonna kick me right in the butt oh, it is the worst <laughs> I once point I once slept through the first half of a concert I was playing. What? Yeah. Oh my god, please tell me this story. <laughs> That's horrible. I literally slept through your show <laughs> that I saw in the Netherlands and made some old people really mad. That but is to be true. fair, I'd been awake for like 36 yeah, hours. Yeah, you were pretty jet lagged. I was so tired. And you just fell asleep in the theater? And I made them go all the way to Arnhem, which is not that far, but it's like an hour and a half from Amsterdam, and to come a see, uh, come see an orchestra like concert I was in. and uh, It was wonderful, and I slept quite yeah. a bit. That's totally fair. The seats fair. are really comfy. It's yeah. dark, like... Beautiful music. Uh, very soothing, very calming. <laughs> Lots of very sour as we know, Dutch people not approving Katie's me. bad at sleeping, so this is like a blessing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anytime no, I nap, people should congratulate me. turn down <laughs> sleep yeah. when you're Katie. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, you got some, like, mad Dutchman glares. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, oh, at the very yeah. beginning, like, people, people were, people were sort of giving them the side eye, partly because... It, I mean, it was funny because it had never occurred to me, but that's because I, I mean, I dress kind of you know, normal times, normalish. Um, that p- the Netherlands is very homogenous, mm-hmm. and you and everybody dresses exactly the same, and nobody has cool colored hair or out there like literally like it. I was just looking around, looking at them, and looking around. I was like, everybody here is so all the same. Wow. And so they kind of stuck stuck out. And then it was also, also really well. We're tall, but everybody tall, in the Netherlands is, is tall. T- yeah. So. Uh, and the, so the funniest thing is like, they got spoken to in German quite a bit because I think people just assume like oh like they just know. assume they were German because Dutch people obviously don't look like this. And um, so they must. And the next also very closest, pasty, so. yeah, and the next closest place where people dress like punks is Germany. Right. They're like, oh, these weirdos from Berlin. Obviously, <laughs> I just p- pulled a cigarette out of thin air and started smoking it. I was like, D but D, D but D, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, my story about sleeping through half a concert. Please, how do you do that when you're a performer? That's yeah. so crazy. Oh my God. Well, it was on tour, 
I was that already explains a lot. Playing with <laughs> no. the National Youth Orchestra of Canada. I was principal viola. We were on tour in Eastern Canada, and the yeah tour schedules are pretty punishing because they don't like pay you to go on holiday. Well, not this. I wasn't getting paid at all. It was National Youth Orchestra, but um, <laughs> just the prestige child labor yes, orchestra. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's the subtext. But no, um, and especially you know touring in Canada because it's such long distances. So mm-hmm. we would play a concert and then you know, stay overnight wherever we were, and then get on the bus the next morning, drive all day, and then sometimes have to play a concert that day. So what happened is we got into Halifax sort of early afternoon. We had our sound check in the hall, and then we had free time, and I was wiped because I can't sleep well in buses or sitting up or traveling or anything like that, and generally tour rules are if you don't sleep well in transit, you don't get a lot of sleep. So I was like, I'm going to have a nap before the concert. And this was like back in, I think, 2001 or 2002. And so like I didn't have a cell phone or anything like that. I had like this old travel clock, you know. And um, I set the alarm and I had a nap <laughs> and I woke up and my alarm hadn't gone off. And I was like, I feel quite rested and it's so peaceful. And I could hear somebody like playing clarinet down the hall. So I was like not worried. And, um, and then I sort of glanced at the clock and it's like, Basically, the time that the concert starts. Yikes. And I was like, fuck! And I just start panicking. And I'm like, ah! And I'm like, going around, like, trying to get my dress cl- dress clothes on, even though it's like, obviously, I'm not going to make it in time. And um, and it was like, basically, what had happened was a comedy of errors. Like, I'd set my alarm, but my clock broke. Unbeknownst <laughs> to me, because I was kept sleeping. Yeah. And, um... My friend had tried to knock on my door, but because we'd only arrived that afternoon, she actually knocked on the door next to mine, not my door, because she got confused as to which was mine. And then because it was so busy backstage, nobody realized that I wasn't there until like literally when everybody <laughs> oh, went on no. stage. And then the seats just empty. And like then the everyone's seat. on stage and I'm not there. <laughs> oh and so um, one of the staff who was filling out the back of the section like stepped in and they sent another staff member like, running back to the dorms to find me. And I'm like, she knocks on the door and I'm like panicking. I'm like pulling on my dress clothes. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And she's like, what happened? And I was like, I had a nap and my alarm didn't go up. <laughs> and like, it was just one of those, like, of course I felt terrible too. It's like that thing, like the lighting. It's like in that moment, you're just like, fuck. I ruined everyone's good day. Like, yeah. And you feel, I mean, and you just, you keep like second guessing, like what could I have done different? And like, you know, you race over, but of course the concert's already started. So I had to wait until the pause to go, to be able to go on. And every, and then, you know, everybody comes on stage and they're like, where were you? Where were you? And I'm like, ah! I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, that and doesn't then, help when they pile on. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I had to, because technically I did something bad quote-unquote bad. I had to have a punishment, so my punishment was that later on the tour, I had to do the wake-up call for the orchestra, so I had to get up super early and then go knock on everybody's doors and wake them up. Oh, that's fair. (laughs) Which is, like, not terrible, and I thought was... That's like a natural consequence. Like, yeah. I was thinking, like, oh, it's punishment enough. I thought they were going to, like, I don't spank you or something. No, I mean, I thought <laughs> it was pretty fair. Family. It was kind of funny to, like, 
Crow knock at everyone's doors and be like, good morning. And you get the people who are like, thank you. And you get the people who are like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I would hate that tour <laughs> so much. I would hate it. I hate touring. It's not yeah, fun Yeah, I me. mean, touring as a professional is slightly better. I mean, I say the one thing I like about touring is it's a nice way to travel in which everything is taken care of. You have a hotel. You have... Someone's food. already done Everybody, all Somebody's already done all that like... shit. You just have to show up and play a concert, and then whenever you have free time, you can go off and do whatever you want. So, like, I've gotten to go to a lot of really cool places in the last few years on tour that I don't think I would have gone to on my own. I mean, I would have really wanted to, but if I would have gotten around to it on my own, what, you never know. Mm-hmm. Like, where, where would be a place that... Last year, I was on a tour to Brazil. Oh, cool. I got to, we went with the chamber orchestra and we went to Curitiba, Rio, and Sao Paulo. And there's talk about going back next season too, so fingers crossed. Cool. And I've been to St. Petersburg and to. Have you heard this <laughs> in St. Petersburg? <laughs> and to. That, um, Anastasia. To uh, Colombia, to Bogota. Oh, and, cool. Uh, yeah, so I mean, all really cool places mm. that you'd love to go to, but like, I don't have a whole lot of money for my own travels, or a whole lot of time off, Mm -hmm. so, um, it's nice, it's a nice way to sort of go, and of course it's always lovely to play concerts for people who, like, really appreciate it, because, you know, going, (laughs) going to these places, like, for them, it's, like, a really big thing that, like, a foreign orchestra has come, we, like, sold out the, the big hall in Sao Paulo that the Sao Paulo Symphony plays in, and, like, and it, there's just, like, such a great atmosphere to it, because, of course, it's great to play at home, and you have your, like, hometown crowd that always comes out, you know, your subscribers, whatever, but it's a very different atmosphere, because... Mm-hmm. And especially because it's the Dutch, mostly. Yeah, <laughs> the Dutch are... Yeah. They're not super over-emotive. Although, one funny thing is, they just give standing ovations as a matter of course, which I think surprised people. Because, like... The Dutch? Do yeah. Like... They like if you don't get a standing ovation, then it's like you were really bad. Or oh, it's like if I don't tip a waitress, then yeah. you know she like peed on it exactly. or something yeah. like that. So because otherwise, like otherwise, you get twenty yeah. percent unless you've like purposely done me wrong. So like a classical concert in the Netherlands, you generally always get a standing ovation, which is great because everybody gets a fucking medal. Hey? Yeah, everybody gets a medal. <laughs> Millennial orchestra nerds. <laughs> And I went to China. That was fun. That was, like, very different culture because um, people, like, in the concerts would, like, take out their cell phones and, like, start calling people. And we were like, what's going on? Like, are they this disinterested in the concert? Like, do they hate us as much? And the local presenter was like, no, no, this means, like, they actually love the concert and they're, like, calling their friends and family. And then they, like, call them and they're like, I'm at a great concert. And then they'd hold their phone up. Huh. That's kind of cute. So yeah. so then you'd have all these all these people with, like, it, this whole concert hall full of people with, like, their phones held up. Aww. <laughs> this is unusual like, for a classical. Which is, like, yeah, it's, it's like... Lighters in the air. Very, yeah, it's it's a bit more rock rock show than classical, but it's really, really nice, of course, because it means that they really enjoy it. Yeah. But, yeah, it's funny, like, the, the small cultural differences when you go places and, like, how things are done. Mm. You know? Speaking of cultural differences, I don't know why I lisped that. That's probably rude to somebody. <laughs> um, sorry for all of you with lisps out there. That was not meant to be disrespectful. 
Anyhoozle, uh, speaking of different cultures, like you grew up on the prairies, you've lived yep. in Toronto, Toronto, lived in Vancouver, yep. and when did you move to the Netherlands? Uh, eight years ago this August. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, long time. It was that culture shock to start with? Well, first of all, like what, I mean, I know why you moved there, but yeah. like, why did you have to move there? Well, I mean have to is strong but um <laughs> <laughs> you would run out of the country yeah i i moved there to do a master's at the conservatory in amsterdam i yes. had yeah <laughs> i had previously studied in toronto and in vancouver and i kind of to a certain extent played out like the teachers in canada who i'd want to study with and then of course most well not most but it's very common for uh Canadian musicians, classical musicians, to then go to a graduate degree in the States because, of course, they have very good schools and good teachers and it's right here and mm -hmm. you kind of know the system and know what's going on. But it didn't really appeal to me because... The States. It's the States. <laughs> and also, I was very conscious of the fact that it's very, very often where you go to school is where you end up sort of making a life. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot. And so I didn't want to go to school somewhere where I had absolutely no desire to end up living, which is hmm. like, I could have definitely lived in Toronto, could have definitely lived in Vancouver. I loved both those cities. I had a great time living in both those cities. And so, yeah, going to the States didn't really appeal to me. Like one of my dear friends, she did her master's at the Cleveland Institute of Music in Cleveland, which is an amazing school, has great faculty. Given it's, to understand Cleveland rocks. It's a top music school, but Cleveland, kind of a ditchy city. Not a great place to, like, Not one of those places live that in. you go, like, yeah! Yeah, like, I'm super stoked to live in Cleveland. So it was actually, um, I was at the Banff Center this summer, before my last year in Vancouver and there was a teacher there from the Netherlands and he kind of took an interest in me and he was like, what are your plans after you graduate? And I said, like, honestly, I have no idea. I want to do a master's somewhere. States doesn't really appeal to me, but other than that, I don't really know. And he was like, well, what about Europe? And I was like, what about Europe? <laughs> I mean, I it's, that, that place is pretty neat. <laughs> like it's, it's kind of funny, but also understandable. It, it just kind of never occurred to me. It's a very, separate system there it works very differently even like the whole school year works on a different schedule so also when you have to audition and all that works on a different schedule don't really you know not familiar with a lot of the teachers because the sort of european people kind of stay in europe teach in summer festivals in europe and then north american people kind of stay in north america you know they're two separate continents. Um, really? It's a whole thing. So, so <laughs> like... Tectonics and all that shit. So it just, honestly, just kind of never occurred to me that that would even be a possibility for me. Also, I wasn't sure if I would be able to afford studying abroad um, because I don't have so much monies. Because um, <laughs> you're a classical musician. Yep, and I don't have rich parents, so, you know. Uh, we we did say NDPers. And yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so I just, he was like, you know, I'm not going to, like, tell you where you should go or anything, but I think you should, like, do some research and look into it, and I think it would be really beneficial for you. So I did. I did a lot of Googling, and I had a kind of set of, because uh, I get asked this question a lot in the Netherlands, too. People are always like, how did you end up in the Netherlands, like, of all places in the world? Why? It's funny, because Dutch people often can't understand why somebody from Canada would move to the Netherlands, because the Dutch people are obsessed with Canada because yeah. we have so much space. Mm. And they can't understand why somebody from 
Canada would then move to the Netherlands where you have not a lot of space. And I'm always like, Mm -hmm. you didn't grow up in the prairies in the winter. You know, too much space. Yeah, too much space, and you can't go anywhere because you will die. So and you need a car for anything. Yeah. But um, yeah, I digress. I had a I had a um sort of list of very simple criteria. The program had to be in English. Not that I was averse to learning other languages because I have learned Dutch, but I didn't think I would be able to afford the time it took to learn another language fluently enough to go to university. In it. Yeah, to do a master's degree yeah. in a whole other language is like, holy shit. Because I, I had a friend who went to Vienna to do his master's viola, and there, I mean, your first year, you just take super intensive German courses. You're not allowed to take any of classes. So basically, your two-year program becomes a three-year program, and that third year is just learning German, which is great because at the end of that, you speak fluent German, but I was already worried about how I was going to afford two years of overseas studies, let alone a third year just to learn another language. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, uh, it had to be not too crazy expensive If I so that if I couldn't get scholarships, I could still somehow fund it myself. Um, so that was like all like British London schools out because they cost like 10,000 pounds a year. Mm. Um, oh. And then you have to live in London, which is like one of the most expensive cities to mm-hmm. live in. Uh, and then... It, I also wanted it to be in, like, a cool city where there's, like, lots going on and lots to do, lots of concerts and just, you know, things to do. And so Amsterdam kind of came to the top of the list. Yeah. And it, the program really appealed to me there because it was very performance-oriented. Like, you didn't have a lot of academic work. It was mostly just, like, you literally got credit to just go out and play concerts. Sweet. Nice. Um, that which like was exactly I what I it was exactly what really I was looking for in. because I had spent two years at UBC like working my ass off academically to pick up all my all my academics for my bachelor's because I had all my music credits from the conservatory in Toronto, but I had to pick up all those random academics that you need for a bachelor's degree, Ew. and so I spent two years basically not practicing and like doing that. So I was really, like, looking for something where I would then just be able to focus on viola. Yeah, like, build your chops back up. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. And, um, and also they had a guest teacher, um, Nubuku Imai, which only means something if you're a violist, because she's very famous for a violist, (laughs) which means that only other violists know who she is. Because I lose a shit it's it's, but it's But it's one of those things, you know, if you say you studied with her, that carries weight. And so... You studied with her. I studied with her, yeah. And um, And how was it? And it was pretty great. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) No, it was, I mean, I, I, there's definite cultural differences between here and the Netherlands, but there are a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. And I did have the feeling, like, even when I just went over to do the audition, within, like, a day or two, I was like, yep, yep, this is my place. Like, yeah, totally. Cool. I I could live here. Yeah, seeing you there. Because the first time I met you... um, Was there. Actually, or was it in Ireland? No, it wasn't. No, it was in there. the Netherlands. Like, yeah, yeah, the first day I met you, I went and got in, I slept in your bed. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> how we do great. it in my family. <laughs> Everybody sleeps in bed together. It's fine. <laughs> um, we uh, yeah, we showed up after like a ten hour flight, and mm-hmm. I hadn't slept. And you're like, let's do a bike tour around the city. Let's get you some bikes. Like, you just knew exactly where to go for everything and get it cheap. And so you yep. got us like like a, a cheese sandwich and got us on bikes, and you're like taking us around the city. And I'm like, I so. <laughs> I was literally crying. She was, was so, so tired. tired. But but at the same I time, I know from my own experience that 
it's not a great idea to go to bed as soon as you get yeah. in because you when you fly from Vancouver, you get in at like 10.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So if you go to bed right away, your whole schedule for the next week or two will be totally bonkers. Yeah. So I was like, I was being kind of mean, but I was very much pushing her to like stay active and do something <laughs> until it was like a more appropriate hour. <laughs> How did you not murder each other? When you were... I was too tired yeah, to kill. Yeah, she was too tired to murder Too tired me. to kill. Oh. And if you know Tessa, Tessa was like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't get mean or anything. She starts just loopy. Yeah. Just loopy. So, I, so, so I kind of forced them to do that. And it was, then... But it was great. And then, you know, you came and stayed with us when we went to Dublin yep. after you came and like flew over. And we just like, we had exactly <laughs> the same philosophy day to day. It was just like, all right, let's get up. We got a bite to eat. Went to like a museum and a half. And then we're like, that's probably good. Hey, like it's 2.30. Uh, you want to go drink. get like, uh, you can go to the pub. Yeah, we'll go to the pub. And then like, let's get some more cider and then go look at downloaded stuff on my netbook in the hotel yeah. room. <laughs> and then Tessa would come out for like a whole day at work and we'd just be like lying in the bed in the hotel room drinking cider. <laughs> we'd be like, yay! <laughs> I think that was when you got me to start watching Happy Endings, which is yes. such a good show. It's a very good show. Such a good show. Yeah, so we, we bought, bought a lot of shitty television, which is yeah. great. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because I, I don't get to see Katya very often. I either see you here or in an amazing European city. Like yes, we were in Barcelona. We were in Barcelona last, last year. year. Yes. Barcelona. We a romantic to... vacation in Barcelona. Just the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, there were other family members there. But... She does. Well, she drags me to things sometimes that I'm always grateful because I'm like, I don't want to. You're like, you're fine. <laughs> just, just what I need. Like, I'll listen to her. <laughs> Not my wife, of course. <laughs> but I listen to Katya. You remember go to yeah. the Cuidad, the whatever the fuck that park was called. Yeah. In, ba- in Barcelona. Barcelona. I'm sorry, nobody says it that way there. Uh, but I was like, I was like, oh, I don't know if we go to a park. We went to a park and there was fucking parrots everywhere. Yeah. So I was like, you were right to drag me. <laughs> this is better than the Picasso Museum. <laughs> Probably. I have to look at a weird square man painting. Yeah, you just got this authority about you. And is it... It's like she's two whole months older than me. So. Yeah, yeah. So and you I know, have to defer to her. Been living on your own for the last eight years, then, or like living independently well, with roommates, or yeah, like, I'm like I moved and, away from home to Toronto when I was seventeen. Yeah, so just really making your way. You're a real down independent. Down. Lady. But I've I've um, always yeah. been super independent. Yeah. I have to say. Oh like, God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Katie. Katie's heard all the family stories. Well, you're talking about like I want to play piano at two and a half. You yeah, know, like fucking. I mean, up, like huh? one of my one of my key phrases when I was young, when my mom would like try to make me do something, would be like, "You're not the boss of me. I'm the boss of myself." Oh my god, I'm the boss of myself. So it's like putting you in your bedroom when you're having a tantrum and like holding the door. Closed. Yeah, like my mom tried. You know, she tried, tried. to be very fair. <laughs> so she's like, no, like. Corporal you know, punishment. corporal punishment, like timeouts in your room. But with me, time she'd send me to my room, and she would have to literally stand there and hold the door oh, closed God. because I would just leave. That's more. I'd be like, "You have no, no authority. authority over me." She's a total like chaotic neutral. Oh no! Like, <laughs> it's pretty wild. Honestly. And I, my mom says like her mantra when I was young was, "It's good for a girl to be assertive. It's good for a girl to be assertive." <laughs> because of course, in later life, it is good, but. When your kid, like, won't do anything you tell them to, not so good. (laughs) But you're a very self-directed and independent person Yeah, and I I have to say, like, I was never very susceptible to peer pressure or anything. Like, you couldn't make me do something I didn't want to do. If I didn't mind and I wanted to do it, I'd be like, sure, whatever. But, like, you know, when I lived in residence here in university and, like, you know, they'd be like, oh, we're going out 
church do this thing? You have to come with us. I'd be like, no, I don't really feel like it. And they'd be like, no, but it's going to be so good. And they'd be like, oh, look, everybody's going. Like, I'm like, no, I'm just going to stay in. <laughs> just take your heels in. I yeah. dig it. I'm like, nobody can <laughs> say much, anything to that if, you, if you're just like, nah, just uh, I don't want to. Yeah. You can do it. I'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, totally fine. <laughs> go for it. Like, I don't feel bad. I don't want to go. It's fine. I like it. You're like, yeah, mutual respect. You're looking at her with admiration. I'm like, in my head, I'm just like, you two thirds of like a great little string trio. <laughs> <laughs> just, just fucking stubborn. I'm just like shipping it. <laughs> the stubborn string stubborn trio. Stubborn streak. That's oh. right. I really like that, actually. If we, we call ourselves stubborn string, dig in your heels or something like that. <laughs> That's the first. Stubborn strings, their first release is dig in your heels. Yes. Who do I know a really stubborn violin player? Ha 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 ha. All of them. All of them. <laughs> they don't know a little bit. They don't know they can't find the key and they don't know when to come back. <laughs> Fuck, that's funny. <laughs> the joke just keeps coming back. I love what if you had two violas and a cello player? <laughs> I was That's a, a nice low end. I was yeah, I I've been in a two violin viola trio mm-hmm. with no cellist. <laughs> Well, that's because we were actually a string quartet, and then we had to kick our cellist out because she didn't practice, and we were like, listen, we've given you a lot of leeway, and you've consistently not been prepared, so we're going to be that's parting ways. I got fired from my That band. sounds like something that would happen to me very much. Like, when you're talking about music school, everyone always asks me, like, oh, so you play cello, you went to music school. I was like, no. I hated practicing so much. I haven't actually touched my instrument except for, like, gigs in the last long time, like... Haven't done any practicing. To be fair, do you do at the jam? Like, yeah. To be fair, I've never been a fan of practicing. My mother also has stories about trying to get me to practice. Mm-hmm. She put in a lot of hard years. She's worked so hard. Forcing She's like, I don't me. want to be a burden. Uh, we're like, I think we owe you. Yeah, yeah. I think. At this point, I think like, like I, think I can... owe you for a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, um, and and I. But the thing I always loved was I loved playing. I loved performing, and I did sort of at a certain point realize that. The practicing is the hard work you do in order to be able to do the performing without a lot of, like, stress. Yeah. So that is, like, I still kind of have that. I mean, I don't practice as much anymore because I'm playing a lot. Mm -hmm. But I do, you know, I still, it feels so much better to go to a rehearsal and not be fucking up all over the place if you've just practiced it beforehand. Yeah. That's the whole thing where it's just like the rehearsal is not for you; it's for the whole ensemble. Yeah. Like yeah. you have to do your own practicing at home, and, and then I think come that's prepared, the, which something people sense. don't realize too. Like because also <laughs> you don't get paid for your own practice. Like I, as a professional musician, I get paid to go to the rehearsal. I don't get paid for my own practice, but it is understood. That I will show up to the rehearsal prepared because if I don't, they just won't hire me again. Yeah, because then you're wasting everyone. Yeah, else's you're just time. A, you're just a, yeah. yeah that's it's, not the time to be figuring it out. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like when people like want to hire a string quartet for something and they balk at the price because they're like it's only an hour and you're like yeah <laughs> but you're paying for like the t- twenty years of preparation that has gone into this Your like. Face. Thank you. We are like, like you wouldn't say that to a doctor performing a surgery to be like, it's only an hour. You should just take an hourly twenty dollar rate. So oh they like, fuck like you. no, we appreciate that doctors are very highly educated, highly trained individuals. Why do we not it's see not musicians like music saves that way? Life. Like, but it can. But it can, I, and it does. That's my main professional musician thing: yeah. is weddings and people. People freak don't out. get it. And I tell them it's like... You don't even charge that much. I charge pretty low on the scale. 
Starbucks or something? Not even. Oh, really? Depending on like, I like said it so quietly. Is. I don't want anybody I don't, to like think that they can get my you rates on are on my website, ChristinaJepper.com. Yeah. <laughs> there we are. It's not spelled. It's not spelled like it sounds. Yeah. Uh, I'd say two fifty for the first hour and fifty for each subsequent. That's fucking That's really cheap. Pretty That's just cheap. for yeah. myself. Yeah. And then if I bring an ensemble, like I'll just, charge more. Yeah, I'll charge yeah. more. So per person, so everyone gets like a fair shake. And that's like when I play with my accordion player friend, he always balks like, "Oh, you're asking them for too much." I'm like, "Trust me." Yeah. And so I usually am able to get us a pretty good thing, but it's still pretty low. But some people yeah. get like a little like, "Ah." But then I say like, at least like the first hour it includes my rehearsal. I'll add more if it's rehearsal a consultation. With other, yeah, with other people. Yeah. Then we charge for rehearsal time. Mm. Like transportation. The... Charge them $100 if they want you to play canon. Oh, God. Nah. Well, I do actually say if there's specific song requests, it might alter the rate. Because a lot of folks are like, oh, could you arrange my favorite yeah. pop song into like a string? It's like, that actually is a fair amount of work. So... Yeah. I can do that. It yeah. will cost you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's, I think that's totally fair. But then I also say, like, yes, like the collective expertise of like myself and the other musicians that I'm playing with, or even if it's just me, like the reason that I can just show up to your event. And then take requests from people or, like, read the room properly and, like, keep playing for a really long time. Like, that's all stuff that I've had to work on for a long time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I always, I get really annoyed sometimes. I feel like, like, professional musicians are some of the most overeducated, underpaid people. Because, especially classical music, you have to put in a shit ton of work. And Mm -hmm. most people I know have multiple higher degrees. They have a bachelor's, a master's, some people have two master's, a doctorate, you know. And if somebody's that qualified in their field, like, why don't, like... I think I know what it is. (laughs) I think I know what it is. Well, it's, it's... it's also has to do with the way we value arts in our society. Well, yeah, and it's it's. It, I think it really has to do. With, like I was just thinking about like nobody people balk at what you pay a plumber, but no one's not going to pay a plumber. Yeah. for yeah. what they need to have done because like you don't want music shit is not considered it. essential. Well, that's it. You can, right? Like stick a boombox on or whatever. Well, right, but it's it's like you don't. You're like okay, this is an essential service. You're coming here, and it's also like. A plumber doesn't want to stick their hands in shit to fix the toilet or whatever. Like, they don't want to. They're just doing it because they went, like, they went to school for it. But there's this assumption that if you're a professional musician, you love everything about your job. That you Mm -hmm. love it. And that you should just be grateful that I'm going to pay you anything to do this thing that you love. And everybody always says that, too. They're like, well, at least you do something you love. And I'm like, you know what? Like, it's true. I would say, like, 75% of the time. That definitely makes up for certain things. But, you know, 25% of the time... It doesn't. (laughs) You just want somebody to pay you fairly, pay you on time so you can pay your rent on time. You want, like... I can't pay my rent to be (laughs) You want to be, like, valued and not treated like the hired help. Like, Mm -hmm. and, like... Shunted into some storage closet somewhere. Oh, I've been treated really badly. Yeah, I mean, and it's... Like, it's crazy how I play with professional ensembles, and even after concerts, audience members will come up and they'll be like, so are you a professional musician? And I'm like, yes, yes. this is my job. I'm, I, like, have gone to university for eight years to train to do this job. I can't, like, I'm not, just, like, <laughs> because also... Like, there are lots of really good amateur musicians, but the quality you get from an ensemble of professionals is much higher. Yep. And As an amateur musician, I would say that is absolutely true, because I yeah. often just make shit up if I can't figure out how to read it. So it just it just totally baffles <laughs> me, but it, never notice. it definitely has to do with how we value art and culture in our society, mm-hmm. and we don't view it as something essential. 
-hmm. when it actually is because Mm -hmm. we would have no society without art and culture. We would just be a bunch of... What's the point of living a long time with good health care if we don't enjoy the time that we're here? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the point? So, yeah, that's like a definite pet peeve of mine. I want to make like a best practices guide for like, so you want to hire a musician? <laughs> yes. You have guides for everything. I don't I think know. you should be a guide maker. I'm a little bit of a like policy wonk, so well, like, I'm a, I'm a freelance musician, which is great. Um, I really like freelancing because I like the variety of work I get to do. I like that I'm, you know, I get to go every week to like a different city and play with different people and different kinds of music. What I don't like is that I don't have a steady income. Nobody ever pays me in a timely manner, so I mm-hmm. never know when I'm going to get paid from something, so I'm always playing the waiting game of, like, should I spend money on this thing I need now because I haven't been paid yet and I'm supposed to be getting it soon, but I might not get it, and I might have to wait, like, two months for it. Ugh. You never know. And, like, it just... It, it is so annoying. <laughs> I didn't realize how hard it is to actually pay people on time. I thought it was, like, an issue with, like, you don't know what you're doing. Clearly, it's like, well, not necessarily, because, like, with Eventbrite, Mm -hmm. we learned that if you sell tickets for an event, you do not get the money on the day of the event. It's, like, four to eight days later that you get the money for it. You still get, like, they still take less of a percentage than other places, and it's, like, a decent company, but it takes a while for that deposit to come in. So we were, like, waiting to pay feature comics, like, based on how much we'd made, we're like wanting just to send these people like fifty bucks each or whatever, and you need to have the money. Yeah, if it doesn't come in, you can't pay them, yeah, right? So it's like it's like a cascade failure almost of, mm-hmm. of a payment. Well, again, because nobody respects yeah, arts and entertainment. I'm a I'm a freelancer. I bill myself, but like, I have to pay all upfront costs oh. myself because mm-hmm. I don't bill until the whole run of the project is over. So you know, depending on the run of the project, that can be a lot of time that I'm not have any income coming in and I'm having to pay expenses. Would they, would you, would like, I'm just thinking of the way that like Ed builds guitars. It's like, could you take a deposit up front to cover some of the upfront costs? But then you you want more money at the end anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, um, most projects aren't super long, like maybe a week or two. So it's not terrible. Long projects, like when I play with the Dutch opera, that's like a month and a half, but then they, um, give you an advance at the end of the rehearsal period. Oh, okay, cool. Which is nice. Um, but, so, I'm always very, like, on top of my bookkeeping, just because also, it. I know that if I leave things, I will forget about them, and then it won't get done, and I have to do everything myself. You have to chase everybody for Yeah, and I, won't, I, I have to do everything myself, because I don't make enough money to hire someone to do all that shit for me. <laughs> so, pretty much the day of the last concert, or the day after the last concert or project, I make an invoice, I send it. The invoice has underneath payable within 14 days. <laughs> Man, I could count on one hand the times I've been paid within 14 days. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and then you're having to send these... And and it's also tricky because it's not coming from um, a business in a way. It's coming from you to the person who you've employed. And you're a freelancer, so you don't want to be, like, really strong about things because you don't want to get on their bad side, but at the same time, oh God, yeah. you... You what want your fucking money because you've money got limbo shit to pay. Yeah. And and I've had I've had times where you just keep sending these like emails being like, Yes, uh you blah, blah, blah. Oh my god, yeah. No. Uh, pardon me, I pardon. don't mean to be any trouble, but would you mind paying me so that I don't have to fucking die? <laughs> yeah, I had I had once where I worked with one orchestra for like two months solid almost different projects in in and um and they were uh, putting in a new payment system, so it was going to be a bit delayed. And then the one person 
who's in charge of that payment system, like, went on holiday or got sick or something. (laughs) No, like, just, like, wasn't at work, and nobody else could do it instead of that one person. Oh, God. God. So nobody got paid until, like, this was, like, I played September and October with them, and nobody got played till like, December. And that was, like, a big chunk of money. Yeah. And I kept having to be, like, I need to know when I'm going. Like, it's also different to know when you're going to get it. Because then you can budget. Yeah. But if you have no idea when you're going to get it's any the money, thing, right? Like, just like, just tell me when. Like, even if it's not a good answer that yeah, I don't like, I just, just want to so know. know. Just rip yeah. the bandaid. I just, just want to know me. things. I want to be in the know. I don't want to be yeah. like wondering. That's my biggest job or biggest task at my new job um, is like working in government, and a lot of people just want to know if their whatever application for whatever thing has been received and when they can expect an answer. Because a lot of times timelines aren't published on, like, the website Mm -hmm. because it would actually be really awful if you read, by the time we receive your claim for XYZ, then we have 54 days to process it, you know? Like, people would probably get mad if they saw that. Yeah, that's a lot of days. But that's, like, how long it takes in a lot of places. And that is, like, in a reasonably timely fashion because they are overloaded and, you know, they've cut staffing and, like, all these other things, right? So it takes a fucking long time. But I often am just phoning supervisors of places being like, hello, (laughs) so-and-so just wants to know if you've received it and when they can expect an answer and like and then you tell the people like ah oh, it might not be for another two months They're, and the people are like that's fine I just wanted to fucking have any answer I just want to make like, sure that, that it's not, in the works that yeah. I didn't imagine this whole thing yeah well cause like sometimes stuff gets lost and that could be the same with like invoices yeah. or whatever it's like oh I just never received that or I lost yeah. it or whatever and or it's your like, poor damn it. fucking uh, residence oh, card that you got, sto- yes. got stolen from you in oh. Norway oh no my wallet got stolen in Norway and apparently the police don't work on the weekends in Norway Oh, Apparently there's no crime on the weekend in Norway. <laughs> crime takes a holiday. <laughs> Which Friday, is not true PM because my wallet got stolen. Yeah. Lily Hammer. <laughs> is <that in> Norway? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is actually. But I and I'm sure I, nobody watches. I my residence permit, like the other stuff was, you know, credit cards and stuff you can call and cancel it. It's not such a giant deal. Mm-hmm. Um and my passport didn't get stolen, which was nice. Oh, thank but God. My residence permit did. And I knew for a fact that I would have to go to the police in the place that it was stolen and get it, you know, report it stolen and get an official declaration. I knew that I had to do this. So we go to the police in this town in Norway we're in, and then they're closed. (laughs) And there's, like, a number you can call, so I call it. It's all in Norwegian. I cannot understand it. So I, like, get this very nice, like, teenager working at a Sunday shop <laughs> in the town center to, like, call for me. Because I'm, like, I'm very sorry, but, like, I got robbed and I have to call the police, but it's all in Norwegian and I don't understand Were you, it. like, robbed robbed or did somebody just take, like, took, took it from you? Oh, no, like, we were all robbed. The whole ensemble. Okay, so they, like, took things out of a car? Or no, no, like, like they, okay, well... Backstory is we got hired to play a concert on a private yacht in Norway. Oh, wow. So we're playing on this private yacht, and it had been a really long day getting there, and we weren't done until, like, midnight, and we're leaving, and I noticed that my wallet's gone. But I'm really tired, and we're on a private yacht, so we're all, like, you know, obviously didn't happen on the yacht, so... Because rich people have never yeah, stolen exactly. anything. So, um... <laughs> So, so I'm well. trying to think, like, oh, where could it have been stolen? Like, and there was, I was like, well, either it fell out in the car or it got stolen in the airport because there's literally no other place that it could have been. And um, we get back to the car and 
it's not there. And so I'm like, fuck, uh, must have been stolen at the airport or something. But it's like midnight and we've been up for like almost 24 hours at this point. So I'm like, okay, I'll deal with it in the morning. And then the next morning we go to get breakfast in a cafe and everybody realizes that all their money is gone. Everybody's money. Like probably around a thousand euros total. Wow. And, um, but your whole wallet, my whole wallet is gone, but all of their money is gone. And so that's when we realized that we all got robbed. Shit. And, um, and it happened on the yacht. And probably. it happened on the yacht. Cause that was the only place where we all were. Cause we drove in separate cars. It's the only place where we were all together with all our stuff. And it was unaccompanied. So while we were playing. So while we were playing a concert on a private yacht, <gasps> somebody robbed us. Wow. Um, it might have been a staffer on the yacht, hey? Staffer, or they had a bunch of random handymen around because the yacht had just been refurbished and it wasn't ah. finished. Mm. And, and but But I do feel like it was somebody who knew that we were supposed to be getting paid in cash that night. We didn't get paid in cash, as it turns out, because they couldn't take enough euros out of the bank machine in the shitty small town we were in. <laughs> um, and they weren't, weren't going to pay us in kroner because the agreement was pay us in euro. Yeah. So, um, so we actually didn't get paid in cash. We just had the cash that we had like taken out at the bank machine and I had 200 euros in my wallet cause I got paid cash for a concert the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So I think I feel like in hindsight that it was somebody who knew that we were supposed to have like a large amount of cash on us. Ooh, this is like, yeah. Call in can we Jessica please, Fletcher. Can we please write like some kind of a misfit? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not really a murder mystery. I so, guess. Yeah. so yeah. So like I, I knew I had to report it officially stolen and get a declaration. And so, yeah, this nice young boy, um, calls the police line for me and he's, he's listening to it and he's like, Oh yeah. They do have an option for English, but they say it in Norwegian, so of course you wouldn't understand. And he's like, that's just really dumb. And I'm like, yeah, that is dumb. <laughs> Thank you, my little Norwegian friend. <laughs> Justification. Yeah. And uh, and he calls and he explains to them. And and he's like, yeah, okay, yeah. And I was like, because this is Sunday morning, and we're in the north of Norway, and we have to drive back to Oslo that day, and then I'm flying out of Oslo Monday morning to come to Canada via Amsterdam. So you kind of need some I kind of need permit. well I just kind of need to get this stupid declaration cuz I know that that's like the thing I need before I leave Norway. Yeah. Um because you you have to declare it you have to report it stolen where it happens not like the next place you go to. Mm-hmm. So so he sort of explains this and and he's like okay well there's no police stations anywhere in the area that are going to be open today. You can try Oslo. <laughs> Like even they might not be. Able. Oh, Jesus. So I so it. I thought to myself, this well, I'm staying. I have to go to the airport. Like the rental car had to go back to the airport. Staying at an airport hotel. Every airport has a police station. It should be open or something because you know it's an airport tourist. But guess what? But guess what? They weren't open. <laughs> but you could buzz them. So I buzz them, and they're like, "Yes," and I'm like, "Yeah, I need to yeah. report a robbery." And they're like. Ugh. On Sunday, <laughs> yeah, the Lord's so, Day. <laughs> so I explained it all to this guy, and he did take my took my statement, and he did the whole thing. But he just acted so put out about it the whole time he was doing it, and I was like, "Listen, I don't want to be here doing this either. I would have gladly dealt with this this morning where I was, but apparently, you guys don't do police work on weekends." Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> And so then I have this official declaration from the Norwegian police and I fly into Amsterdam and as soon as I fly in, 
I have to go pick up my bag and then recheck it for my Canada flight. And so I call the immigration services from the airport. And they're like, due to the high volume of inquiries to the immigration services at this time, we're not taking calls. I'm like, well, how am I supposed to tell you that my residence permit has been stolen? So I... So then I have to go recheck in for my Canada flight and go through passport control. And the passport control lady's like, where do you live? And I'm like, I live here. And she's like, where's your residence permit? I'm like, it was stolen yesterday in Norway. I have a police declaration. And she's like, can I see it? And I give it to her. And she's like, did you report this to the IND? And I'm like, I tried. (laughs) They didn't answer. I will try again once I get past here. And she's like, okay, but make sure you do that. So then I try calling again. Nothing. So then I go on... their website and they have this like email form you could fill in and I put my like you know reference number blah 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 still haven't heard anything from them this is like two and a half three weeks later oh, Jesus. um in the meanwhile I did look up what I have to do so I of course I had it declared but because the police declaration was in a language that is not uh, English or Dutch I have to pay to get it officially translated so I had to pay like 120 euros to get an official translation of it into Dutch. It's the most expensive robbery ever. <laughs> and then, um, and then no, they're supposed to not. be mailing it to Katie and Tessa's because it has like a stamp and a seal on it and stuff. So then I have to get all the documents together and fill out this form and then mail them back in to the IND. And and trying to organize this like while traveling has also been like oh a big pain in the ass because actually it would have been so terrible if all I had done that day was fly back to the Netherlands and then I could have dealt with yeah. it all like sort of within the week. This is just such a like bureaucracy like nightmares from the and Schengen it's, zone. And it's also because like well <laughs> you can, apparently you can't contact the IND because of the refugee crisis they're just overwhelmed I don't know yeah. and then. Um, uh, you know, whenever you're trying to deal with something in Europe from, especially from the West Coast, there's such a time lapse that before anything gets decided, days have gone by mm-hmm. because they email me, I'm sleeping. I email them, they're sleeping. They email me, I'm sleeping. So, like, sleeping this, and then days. and then they do the translation, which takes a couple days, and then they mail it here. And I was also legit worried that it wouldn't arrive because of the Canada Post lockout, which thankfully oh. hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Oh, wait, this is all happening now. now. This is all current events. Oh, I thought you were talking about some other time. No, 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 this is No, current, this is right now. Current events. Fuck. <laughs> so, she's pretty chill, considering everything. Yeah. I, I mean, would not be this chill. Yeah. You know, yes. I, I, I've i got <laughs> everything you. in motion, and I'm just waiting for all the pieces of the puzzle. And... <laughs> I'm being mean to Katie. It's okay, <laughs> I deserve it. I deserve everything. Yeah, but people are often, like, when stuff happens like this, people are often like, you're so chill about it. And I'm like, well, what can I actually do? Like, it has happened. Oh, well, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I know that it's not going to do anything if I freak out about it, but, like, watch me. Does it help? No. No, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Ta-da! I just like to keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different outcome every time, which I believe is the definition of insanity. Yeah. Yeah. Or certainly a lack of logic. On but anyways, heart, but... stay tuned, listeners. <laughs> oh, God. We'll you. <laughs> when you're not allowed to, to go back to the if, Netherlands. if yeah. they let me back into the country or not. Oh because God. I don't have a valid residence permit. Goddamn. Sheesh. So, tough to be a freelancer. Yeah. A lot of challenges that come with moving far, you're, far away. Uh, you're, uh, they couldn't withdraw enough money to pay you from the ATM. Reminded me of a gig that I did recently where I played... I think I mentioned it on the podcast, this woman's, like, 70th birthday party or something, and her son arranged it, and I said, you know, pay in cash, yeah. that would be great. 
I always say pay me in cash on the day. It's just so much easier. Or like even a check on the day. Just on the day. As long as it goes. It's got to be on the day. And yeah, I've never had a check bounce back. Knock on. There's no wood. I just knocked my Knock on hand. hand. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I hope you don't end up with a wooden hand now. You'll be like, oh God, did I make that happen? Well, it's uh, (laughs) that could be another update for another day if my (laughs) hand turns into wood for some reason. (laughs) But uh, so then he kind of forgot and was like, oh yeah, let me write you a check. Oh, I didn't have it. And I... Because I had asked about cash, I was planning to use the cash to take a taxi home. Mm. You know, pretty... Yeah, you had plans yeah. for that cash. Legit. And so then he, like, went to the ATM. He's like, oh, but the fee at the ATM is, like, $3. I was oh, like, my wow. God. Can you please just... And so then he withdrew more. And then he, like, withdrew, like... Because it was all in 20s. He's like, but I don't have change. He's like, I guess I'll just tip you extra. I'm like, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're doing this. This is your administrative fee. <laughs> Because you have obviously not done what I specifically asked. He mentioned to you that there's a, oh, it's a $3 fee. Because I would have just been like, No, because he was like, come with me to the ATM. Oh. And I will stand here and like withdraw cash for you to like put it in your hand. Awkward. It was super awkward. So like, here again, best practices, like pay the musicians in cash in an envelope with their name that you can like give to them. If it's a wedding... Make sure that somebody, especially if you're, like, the bride or groom that's been arranging this. not the wedding party. That somebody in the, like, yeah, or it could be in the wedding party, like, your bridesmaid or whatever, like, but let them know Mm -hmm. that they have to pay the musician. Because I've had a bride, like, chase me around to, like... I was looking all over for you and blah, 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 this and that, or, like... It should not be your well, responsibility. Also, like, you don't want to be, like, harassing the bride and groom at their Ex- reception exactly. to get paid. Exactly. So, there's you that. You just start playing Bitch Better Have My Money. <laughs> 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 I did think of, of, of uh, when people have not paid me within the 14-day period to just send them that song. <laughs> but like I do... I call the shots. I do want to keep professional relationships, blah, blah, blah. so it's, exactly. it's a bit tough. I mean, those things always, I find, are, are easier if it's, like, I have a friend... And she's she has more of a solo career, and so she has management, and so m- mm. most of the things she deals with herself. But if shit goes sour, mm-hmm. she can get her management to step in, and then all of a sudden everything works much easier if you have yeah. official people on your behalf. Oh, that you had your people call them. Yeah, this is my manager. Excuse me, I'm Christina's manager. <laughs> just like, change like my you voice. sound Ooh. like ma'am, you sound like you just put a fake mustache on. <laughs> oh, no, I do. I could. No, I'm a fancy lady now. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm a lady. <laughs> It's like, Chris, Chris, you don't have people. (laughs) No. No. You can stop doing the voice now. No. (laughs) Or if you play in an ensemble, you get another ensemble member, other than the person that made the arrangements, to chase payment. That's another good way to kind of spread that around. You shouldn't have to be that crafty, though. No, but but here's another another hot tip. Uh, Feed the musicians if there's going to be food. That's always a nice thing. Yeah, if you're at a wedding. Don't taunt them. Don't taunt them. (laughs) You know what I did one time? I played a gig and it was so awesome. And it was nothing to do with the bride and groom. They were very like, God, this was like maybe 10 years ago or something. I was at a super fancy country club. And they were like, can you just stay longer to play the cocktail reception? Because we really liked your music and we'll just keep paying you by the hour. I was like, whoa, that's so amazing. Cool, great. But like... Kind of didn't, because I hadn't planned to stay there the whole time. I, like, hadn't, didn't bring snacks or anything yeah. like that. 
so I was just, like, sitting and just, like, playing in the cocktail reception while, like, appetizers went around, and you're just supposed to be background music while everybody eats, and then you mm-hmm. can leave once they go for dinner. Yeah. Right. And the servers just came around, like, with their little appetizer platters, and this one wonderful woman just, like, literally, as I was playing, she would, like, pop things in my mouth. Nice! It was, was one of the so service nice. people? Yes. That's oh, awesome. I love... It was so nice, and they, like, gave me lots of champagne and stuff like yeah. that. That's so lovely. There's something so wonderful, like, the most kind people, I swear, work in service oh, for, yeah. like, caterers and stuff. Yeah. The staff that I had at my wedding was so awesome. Like, yeah. everybody was so lovely, and our bartender, like, everybody fell in love with him. Mm-hmm. You both were there. Yeah. You know, the, the, the hot red-headed he bartender awesome. got, like, five phone numbers that Really? Night. I don't have that many straight female friends. Wow. <laughs> like, I really, truly don't. So, uh, but he rejected all of them. Yes, <laughs> like, it's a professional was, thing to do. He's working. He's working. I, was, I walked up to him and I had cake frosting all over my hands. I was like, I don't know what I did. And he took a wet bar towel and just very gently wiped my hands <laughs> me. muffin. And he, like, like kind of, like, sort of gave me, like, a little kiss on the hand. I was like, like oh, oh, this is, like, the nicest thing. Yeah, it's the camaraderie. Like, when, when you're saying, uh, Katya, about, like, as a musician, don't treat me like the higher but you help, are but kind of you are so i like yeah. i like having the camaraderie with like the other servers and stuff mm-hmm. at a wedding or bartender still or none of those people should be treated like shit so no that's just it yeah yeah and i don't know so it's just like it's nice to invite people to stay for food mm-hmm. and drinks and stuff like that yeah and absolutely feed freelancers doesn't yes. matter what they do just feed yeah. Them. yeah freelancers of all kinds they're doing something for you that lasts more than two hours feed them yeah. something yeah and then also it's the when you said uh, like you're charging an extra fee for the consultation kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I just want people to be reasonable, and thoughtful yes. about their consultation because I have had so many people hire a solo cellist and be like, "I want this orchestral piece. Can you play <laughs> that for me?" And I'm like, "That's a forty piece orchestra playing that. Like, I you can do that though. I, I trust can't you. do that. Or they even they want Pachelbel's Canon just on solo cello. And I'm like, you know that it just involves other instruments, yeah. right? If you want me to play the cello part for it, that will be very boring." My uh, my goal, because it's the bane of like all cellists, because it's just the same eight notes over and over fifty six times, mm-hmm. is to play it on the loop station. Yeah, and get to learn all the other fun parts too. That would be fun. So, that see, that would be cool. That would be a party trick. That, that would be a good party trick. You, but I'm I'm playing an looper. upcoming wedding where I have to play Packable's Canon and music from the movie Twilight. So uh. I was just like, these monsters deserve each other. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I had to. Uh, I had to arrange. I uh, doubt that whoever these people out in the burbs like. <laughs> no offense. No I'm sure people in... They like Twilight, Katie. Like, Pit Meadows and Maple Ridge probably listen to Wait, Punch why did I say that like that? I'm like, you like Twilight, Chris. <laughs> I know. You've read all of them and seen... I didn't We've seen like most it. of them in the past. You hate read like... them. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't like it, but you did it anyway. I consume most vampire-based media, <laughs> whether I, I like feel it about, That's how I feel about all historical fiction novels written by women. Yeah, I'm like, this, is, this isn't good, but I'm going to finish it. Yeah. But the uh, we we've definitely seen the Twilight movies in the theater together and just gone and got drunk the whole time, which was mm, all right. Sparkly vampires. Ugh. It's. Do you remember when that came I out? Like that Jasper one. That guy was kind of hot. Yeah, when that came out, there was like the Twilight dildo. Where there it was, was like, fucking Twilight it was like a, everything. It was like a white sparkly dildo, and they said, for more Edward, like, whatever, oh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> I don't like to sit down in a cold toilet seat. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't. Like... I don't want to sit on that. I it's guess if that's person. your fantasy. I guess yeah. if that's your thing. I want to be your fantasy. That's gross. Don't do that. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. Like sometimes ice. you can use like ice cubes for fun stuff. I but guess if you're, if, you're, if you're cosplaying nine and a half weeks or something. <laughs> 
Mickey Rourke before his face exploded. I've never actually seen that. <laughs> Neither movie, have I. I heard it's it was just... erotic. <laughs> it was it very was erotic. erotic. <laughs> oh, it was a real erotic city. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Did you want to talk about, like, the living your life versus living cat is Yeah, I, I was thinking, because we were talking about that uh, over breakfast, was sort of like... Can I share like, the breakfast story, oh, or is it too embarrassing, <laughs> oh, I about don't... your eggs? <laughs> oh, my eggs. Yeah, no, go ahead. I thought you, I thought, I thought you said my ex first. I kind of like, no. what? We didn't talk about that. No. <laughs> um, but just that... Yeah, go ahead. I'm wait- ridiculous. The waitress <laughs> asked how Katie wanted her eggs, and she said, oh, mm, sunny side up. And then I ordered over easy, and Ed ordered over easy. And then the waitress went away, and Katie was like, I like my eggs over easy, too, but I didn't want to ask, because I know they're really hard to make. Because <laughs> I can't fucking flip an egg and do but that. You're like, so but that's, sweet. But you're like, they Katie, have... it's a restaurant. They like, can do that. They can do that. And, and then mine came, and they were, like, all gooey around like, the, the whites were still gooey. I was like, I should have had them flip them. Yeah. They, they would have brought me two pristine over easy eggs. Because I got two awesome over easy eggs. Anyway, <laughs> it was just, like, the epitome of, like, Katie's, Katie. like, sweetness and, like, don't bother anybody and, like, anticipate. And doormat. <laughs> yeah, just, like, anticipate, like, oh, I bet the cooks would be really, if they had to do three sets, it's like, they do that for a job, though, and they're probably it's their good. job, and it's our job, it's <laughs> I know that, but anyway, it just that. made yeah. me that, that, laugh and then love you so much oh, more. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I thought it would make you annoyed with me. Oh, like, See, a little bit. Like, I'll get it. Katie shakes fist. Oh, Katie, value yourself. Catherine, value yourself. But that's like the, um, the absolute almost the, when people say codependency, they're not, they don't, they're not talking about the thing they think they're talking about. Like most of the time when you say codependent, you mean like two people who are totally obsessed with each other and like can't live without each other. And that's, that's not technically like the psychological definition of codependence. Codependence is like, um, one person needs and the other provides and that relationship the prov- as a provider or as the needer those are the two things that like crash into each other in a toxic way because if all you do is take care of somebody else or all you do is be taken care of you're not you're functioning as a whole human being basically mm-hmm. so that's like a real problem i have in all of my interpersonal relationships <laughs> where i want to just take care of absolutely everything mm-hmm. and i'm too plugged into what other people need to the point that i'm assuming that they need things that they don't need or that they want things they don't want and they don't want me to be monitoring them that yeah. way and that's i'm realizing and you're just trying to be yeah. helpful and, and i'm just trying to be helpful cuz i'm like well i have no value whatsoever on my own unless I'm doing something for other people. And people are like, that's super not true. I'm like, mm, but up here it says it is. So uh, Your brain is a jerk. My brain's a total dickhead. Like, let's go back in time and beat up some kids on my playground, and that might uh, solve some problems in the future for me. I did but, that. But um, you beat up people? I got in fights at school. I believe it. I got in trouble once for giving a boy a black eye. <laughs> Good. I'm glad he you deserved did it. it. I'm he sure was he a did. little shit. <laughs> but I'm so scared. I'm so scared of that. Like I, I got. Um, I won't go into the details about it. But I did have somebody who, like, previously said something really nasty about me, reach out to me, but in a really weird way. And I could have been so dismissive. And instead, I just tried to like work it out. So this other person, like, and I were on at least neutral ground. And I'm like, why am I putting all this effort in? Like, nobody or you could cares. just be like, fuck you. Sorry, like, we don't need fuck to. Fuck you. Oh, like, I we never don't... need to speak to you. I never need to speak to you. And I, I wanted to say that, but I was also like, well, I don't want to burn the bridge uh, like what they torched before it was ever built but that that yeah. so that's like not a good way to live and I, i'm not saying like you are so self-focused that you don't care about anybody no. else or anything but like you are closer to what i want to be doing. i am i've always been more me oriented i mean i was <laughs> i was i was bullied in school yeah. i i mean 
I but that's the thing is it, schools. That's the, how it diverged. Is that yeah. you like became more self assured and I became a bigger wuss. Yeah, I, I dealt with bullies and my you dealt with them. <laughs> well, my my way of dealing with it was frontier justice. Was at the uh, it was a sort of later elementary school years that this happened and. My way of dealing with it was I went to high school on the opposite side of the city and I just left them all in the dust and I was like, I never want to speak to any of you again because you were all terrible to me. Yeah, so instead of like, oh, we should all try to work this out because you just have to, it's like, you're just like, nope, I'm done. Bye, yeah. start over. I'm going to go find people who actually like me for who I am and and I did. And at the end of grade 12, like one of the girls from it's my grade... It's good for a young girl to be <laughs> exactly. Like at, at the end of grade 12, one of the girls from my grade that. 8 class like called and she was like, we're trying to organize a reunion before we all graduate from high school. And I was like, I'm busy. Bye. I wasn't, but I was like, I'm not yeah. going to that. I don't want to see any of you again. Yeah, I don't care. I just like I want to. I want some of that. Like, what do you get? <laughs> that? I guess it's like your mom was super supportive, and like even though it drove her crazy that you were like such a spirited child. Yeah, but I mean, there is people do come pre-programmed with a personality, and I just have always been this way. I mean, sometimes to the detriment of interpersonal relations and how I view the world, because when I was a very small child, I once told my mother, there's no point in getting close to people because they just leave you. Oh. How old were you when you said this? Yeah, probably like four or five. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's heavy shit coming out of a little kid. Yeah. But, oh God, I wonder what your mom felt like. <laughs> I think my mom felt bad because this probably came from circumstances that were completely out of mm, her control. Yeah, because yeah. you know, yeah. total, uh, what's the word? Um, put it out there. Total just disclosure. Disclosure. That's the word. I'm sorry. I have trouble thinking of words in English now. A total disclosure. <laughs> you know, the Dutch word is the just, Dutch word is so, so different. Much, so much more expressive. <laughs> total disclosure. My dad died before I was born, and mm-hmm. so like. I definitely had that, you know, I dealt with that when I was a kid of, like, not having this person in your life that's supposed to be there. And I didn't, when I was really little, I didn't even understand what a dad was. Like, I thought that he was just some guy who bought you presents. Like, that was my understanding of a father. And so I would therefore... I would therefore call a lot of men I meant daddy, Ooh. which super creeped them out. You would fit into the internet perfectly now. <laughs> because, oh because I, like, did not understand the concept of one, and I, and, but I knew that this was, like, something that all the other kids had, and, like, yeah. Don't get close to people, because they just yeah, leave. don't it. get oh close to people, because they so just leave. do you feel like when you're like, okay, like, I'm really me-focused, and so, like, I'm just gonna keep doing my own thing, and then, like, other people can fit into that Yeah, and in I, I, life, I, like, and in, I relation, that, in relationships, I try to look for, like, added value to my life. I don't, I don't, like, because there is, like, history of mental illness and stuff in my family, I, I mean, I always give off the sense that I'm super chill, but I do get really stressed about things, and Mm -hmm. I have also dealt with some depression, and so I like to just try to keep my life as uncomplicated as possible, because my professional life is very stressful and very high-paced, so Mm -hmm. I try to keep my personal life as uncomplicated as possible, and I don't want to have people in my life that don't add value to it, Yeah, and I don't want to have people in my life that take away value. Basically, is how I look at it. Mm-hmm. So people who... It's pretty, like, a cutthroat way to look at it, but at the same time, it's very, like, realistic. And, yeah, <laughs> and it keeps my life fairly stable and, like, 
I don't have crazy highs or lows, you which is kind of the way like I like it. You basically live like a man lives. And yeah. like that's the, di- the difference is that you're a woman doing it. And so I'm like, well, why aren't you like just like always, nurturing I've everyone always, around like, you all the time? I put myself first. I, you know, in university I was very, very goal oriented and I didn't, I didn't have any relationship, any, like, I didn't have any boyfriends because I was like, this is temporary. I'm not staying here. I'm here to do this thing. And then I'm moving on to the next thing. So I want to focus on that. I don't want to get sidetracked because also I was very aware of the fact that, you know, generally it's the women who give up what they want to do for what the men want to do. It's not always, but a lot of times. And I was just very much like this. I have been working for this since I was five years old. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give this up. I don't want to put my career on the back burner for someone else's. So I'm going to do me. And if somebody wants to get on board that train. Yeah, if somebody wants to get on board that train, they are more than welcome. But I'm not getting on board someone else's train. They can fucking hop on board mine. (laughs) That's beautiful. You just want a sweet, sweet caboose. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Ass man. Oh, yeah. Hold up this caboose. (laughs) Copyright Margaret (laughs) Cho. Oh, man. That's like really good advice, (laughs) actually. Tell me that. Go back in time, like, 15 years and tell myself that. I mean, you have to be selfish about things, but you're doing it for yourself. You're not doing it... You're not doing it to be cruel to other people or Mm -hmm. to be mean. And, I mean, I've had sometimes the... I've had sometimes the reputation of being kind of a bitch. But I don't care. Like a heartbreaker? (laughs) And also... A little bit. But also, like... (laughs) A little bit. A little bit. And also... (laughs) Pretty cool. Also, I have I have stepped up to be the bad guy for friends of mine if they need somebody to be the bad guy to take the fall for them because I, to a certain extent, don't care what people think of me. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not. I but I could. <laughs> if I didn't already know, mostly know this about you, I think I'd be like, oh, why aren't I more like you? <laughs> it's but, just so it's so weird because you'd think that like I would be a more independent person because I was raised like an only child and stuff. But it was yeah. like no no fitting fitting around other people's lives as like an only child like because. What is a four-year-old? Like, what, what commitments do I have? Yeah, exactly. So it's like other people's commitments kind of supersede mm-hmm. mine. and Because I wasn't like, I want to go do this thing. It was always like, well, maybe I'll go swimming. Like, oh, I don't like this. I want to quit. And like, my parents were very good at, like, letting me push my boundaries. Like, I would, when I was very small, like, probably, like, five or so, I would run away from home, like, at least once a week. <clears throat> I would get really mad about something, and I'd be like, I hate all of you, I'm leaving. <laughs> and I'd, like, pack up my stuff, and I'd do one of two things. I would either pack a bag and, like, walk to the end of the street and sit there all day, because, of course, we drove everywhere, and so I didn't really know how to get to anywhere. <laughs> or I would, like, build a tent in the backyard and live out there for a couple days. <laughs> awesome. That's so cute. <laughs> and my mom just let me, and she would tell my siblings. She'd be like, "Just keep an eye on her," because she to knew that if because she knew that if I saw her checking up on me, like I would freak out and be like, "Leave me alone!" Ah! So she would just tell my siblings. She'd be like, "Just keep an eye on her. Make sure she doesn't like really want Set her away." On fire. But like, you know, oh but like she let me do this. <laughs> assert my independence over yeah. my autonomy over my own life and my own decisions. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> if I had pushed back a quarter as much <laughs> as you did as a kid, my mom would have been like, I'm going to kill you. 
with my hands, <laughs> and then you will be dead. <laughs> and I they... probably, my response to that would probably be like, I'd like to see I'd you like try. I'd like to see you try. Holy that would totally shit. have been it, but I was just like, I just yeah. recognized the authority of yeah. everyone else and was like... No, the one and only time I ever got spanked for anything, the entire time my dad was spanking me, I was yelling at the top of my lungs, child abuse, child abuse. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like, you can't do this. This is child abuse. You're not allowed to spank me. Yeah, I definitely, I did that with my grandma, except I would let her hit me with a spoon and then I would say like, and now that you've done that, I'm going to tell somebody that you did that to me. Oh, I got the That's not correct. Like, you can't, I was like, I'm telling my mom. And she was like, fine, you told it. And then eventually my mom was just like, never, like, not eventually, but like, like she would go over and be like, don't do that. Like, I see her like knuckles are bleeding because she wouldn't practice pi- like I wouldn't practice piano my grandma would hit me in the hands like with a spoon like, or let's a injure the things she needs to use to practice makers. the plant yeah. piano I wouldn't so. say that she really thought it through <laughs> I like, I like that that was one of the things I remember from the first time we hung out it was like these are the money makers every time you hold your hands I'd be like watch out for these <laughs> I always do make jokes about it about I can't do certain things because they might injure the money makers yeah. but you I can't mean, play basketball it's actually true I tried rock climbing for a little bit and it just made my tendons really like swollen and sore and I had no dexterity. Yeah, like definitely within reason. I did a one of those tough mutter races last year. Of course you did. But um <laughs> <laughs> but I but I like I didn't train my upper body possibly as well as I should have just mm-hmm. because I don't I You only I'm, did leg day. Well, because I I can't sort of I'm very wary of overtraining anything to do with my upper body because mm-hmm. I need to use that every day for hours on end yeah. to do my job. So if I'm having like lots of muscle pain, then I can't do my job properly. And then I'm probably going to injure myself playing because I'm compensating for pain I have mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm. So you just have to think, have whole systems thinking. Yeah. You it's just ha- like, it doesn't really Keep stop money, me from healthy. doing things I want to do, but it does sort of make you prioritize you things. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, just to go back to like being more like me oriented. Um, like I'm big into that as well. It's like I just kind of feel like there's you know you don't have to be like oh I'm mean and I'm just cutting everybody out. Like as long as you give everybody like enough of an autonomous choice in their yeah, own. Yeah, right? It's course. like hey I've given you all the information. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to do and this is how I'm gonna do it. Do you want to come with me or not? And then not being offended if they say no. Yeah. I guess is the the and ticket, I try to but like it's hard. <laughs> be a good friend. I don't have I'm like I'm also I don't have like a ginormous circle of friends. Like I have a few good friends. I try to be a good friend, but if somebody is like doesn't want to be my friend anymore, I'm like okay, fine. Mm-hmm. That's your I choice. Let you go. Like yeah. I don't agree with this. I I I wish you didn't feel this way, but if I that if I respect your your decision to make that choice, that is your choice to make, and I will I will step back like. Because I had that happen with a friend this year. We were very good friends and just going through a difficult time. And then for several reasons, she decided she couldn't be friends with me anymore, hmm. which really sucked. But at the same time, like, I do recognize that she absolutely has the right to make that choice. And if she feels that it's the right choice for her mm-hmm. and it's going to help her get better, that mm-hmm. then I don't want to stand in her way. Yeah. And it's like at the same, like, you wouldn't want somebody being like, oh, we need to not be friends, and then you're, but please stay, and then yeah. they stay being your no, friend, and you like, know that they're, like, miserable well, it's or just whatever. like a breakup, I'm right? Not like, gonna if argue doesn't want to be around you, yeah. you don't want to argue them into staying. Like, yeah. that just grows. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. I got, I'm real fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mostly a pretty, 
like, happy I'm with it person, but I'm just, like, I'm working on stuff this year, so I'm just crying a lot. Yeah, but... Because <laughs> it's hard to work, work on things. Working on stuff is hard. Yeah. Especially when you, like, really try to change, like, yeah. be, like entrenched behaviors, which are, like, self-protective, which is yeah. just, like, be friends with everybody, burn no bridges, have no enemies, no one will ever be mean to me. And you know what? Like, no, people are still will be mean to me because... Either they're jealous of something I have, or they just don't like me for some mm-hmm. reason. Like, there's something about me that rubs them the wrong way, and they want to, like, really press on that little bruise. And that's their problem, not mine. But yep. uh, then I make it my problem because I'm like, well, I can fix this. Like, mm-hmm. no, don't waste the time. Yeah. Oh, my God, don't waste the time. You like, could be tough. doing so many more other cool things than, like, yeah. trying to just manage everybody's feelings about you. Yeah. And we do all have people, too, that we don't like, and we don't really have a reason why. Like, I definitely have known people where I have literally no reason not to like them. I just don't really like them that much. Yeah. And there's, like, if if that's the case, you can't do anything about it. You can't, like, they can't change yeah. their behavior. You can't change it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's just a weird, like, you know, interpersonal dynamic thing or something. Yeah. And, like, your tendencies, Katie, to be, like, a community builder type, yeah. to be, like, I really want to be good to work with and I'm very collaborative and I will pitch in and be a team player like these are all really amazing qualities mm-hmm. that are awesome and they make you really fun to like do creative projects with Ooh, like a podcast like a podcast oh my god, oh my god. and uh, but yeah just so long as you prioritize yourself a little bit I'm working you're on important. it I'm working on it because I, I think <laughs> it's helping is that I can just like tell people like this is what I'm doing and they're like that sounds like a good idea yeah. and that's a reinforcement because I need like external validation like there's no way Like, I can downplay that or, like, make it less of a thing, but it's always going to be a thing for me Mm -hmm. where I, like, don't necessarily trust my own assessment of a situation and I need other people to confirm it for me. But that's... That's human. That's fine, yeah. That's fairly human. Like, nobody... I I just keep coming back to the concept of solipsism for some reason where it's like, I'm I'm just alone with my thoughts and that's what the universe is, pretty much. And so it can really feel like that sometimes unless I, like, reach out to people. Thank God I have you constantly, like, (laughs) on Gchat where I can be like, something crazy happened and I need to tell somebody. You're like, bitch, tell me! (laughs) I want to know! Yeah. It's, it's really good because I never really you know, you'll never walk alone if you mm. have Gchat and your BFF on there. I feel like there was only one set of footprints because Gchat was carrying. <laughs> Basically, thanks Gchat <laughs> or Hangouts or whatever you go, Moist. whatever you're going by these days, whatever yeah. you're identifying, whatever as, Gchat, Hangouts, oh whatever. Oh, guys, mm. what time are we at? I'd say that's about an uh, hour and 45 minutes. Holy shit, we went for a long time. We didn't we even take a break. Because we, we had such awesome, engaging conversation. Oh my god. <laughs> like, well, just ask us. Yeah. Just ask us about how fascinating we are. <laughs> please, please ask me about how Hello. amazing I am. <laughs> oh god. Strongly built, um, northern European <laughs> musical weirdo types. <laughs> Basically. Hmm. Yeah, we should all move to the Arctic Circle and plant potatoes. <laughs> Katie, I don't think anything <laughs> don't would grow. Think that would no. grow. Yeah, I, I, I got my geography wrong. I think there's a flaw in this plant. Oh, man. It's not a good plan. I don't know if uh, Matt Damon can grow potatoes on Mars, but he can grow potatoes in the Arctic Circle. He had a lot of circle. astronaut shit to grow it in, though, so. <laughs> like, astronaut shit? Like, yeah. Literal shit. Literal shit. Oh, spoiler alert. He grows spoiler potatoes alert. In actual there's shit. actual shit involved. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> Love Matt Damon. We'll just leave it at that. That's uh, that's the thesis for this whole episode. Is I like Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> okay, bye. See you next week.